Hi, I'm Dr. Bernard Benedetto, and you're listening to the Rochester Post podcast with Matt Wyatt. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on the show. I know how busy you are, so I appreciate you taking the time to uh, t- chat with us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, so um, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, tell me more about the bariatric clinic at Frisbee Memorial Hospital. Yeah, so right now um, I'm the chief of surgery and the bariatric director for the Portsmouth Regional Hospital um, Surgical Weight Loss Program. And we've been trying to extend our outreach uh, up into the Rochester area. And we now have a bariatric clinic up at Frisbee Memorial Hospital. So uh, any patients in the Rochester area that maybe previously didn't have good access uh, can come and be seen and evaluated for potential uh, either surgical or non-surgical weight management uh, right here uh, at Frisbee. That's great to hear. Um, and so this is brand new. This has existed in Portsmouth, but this is the first time that it's something like this has been included at Frisbee. Yeah. So the program at Portsmouth is actually the longest standing bariatric surgical program uh, on the seacoast. And we've only expanded up to Frisbee over the course of about the last six months to a year or so. Is that because you're seeing a greater need in this area or is it just a natural evolution of the program? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, First, um, Frisbee Hospital and uh, Portsmouth have become more closely affiliated. Mm -hmm. And so that's one reason. Two is we were seeing a lot of patients who were having to make the drive from the Rochester area down to Portsmouth for all of their appointments. And, you know, that can be a little bit of a long drive. So as we started to see more and more patients from this area and we had a closer affiliation with Frisbee Hospital, it sort of just made sense to start seeing uh, patients sort of in their backyard and providing services up here at Frisbee. So if someone is curious about medical or surgical weight loss surgery, what are, what are the first steps if they're looking to get involved in this? I, mean, I think the first step is really to have a conversation with their primary care provider yeah. and uh, find out how they feel about it, find out if they feel that it would be something that would be positive for them and for their health. And if they're primary care provider um, feels that that would be a good move for them, then they can go online uh, and they can find out information about the bariatric surgery program on either the Portsmouth or Frisbee hospital websites. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of information on there. There are um, information sessions. There are patient testimonials. There's a lot of description about what to expect and you can even uh, register to make an appointment online or if you're not super internet savvy you can also uh, find a phone number to call awesome yeah um and i know there's a few different options for people you have uh, obviously some surgical options and some medication how do you determine if a patient is a better fit for surgery versus medication Yeah, so um, you're right. There are a lot of different options that we offer. Um, And, you know, surgery is is never the first choice. And I think it's important to realize that there are some very specific um, national criteria Mm -hmm. that define who is a candidate for surgery or not. So it's not an arbitrary decision. And generally it involves 
your BMI, generally your BMI has to be above 35, and often it ends up involving what other medical issues or what we call comorbidities you have, things like diabetes, uh, hypertension, high cholesterol, uh, heart disease, sleep apnea, a lot of these um, conditions that go along with uh, excess weight. So in terms of who's a candidate, there are some pretty well-defined criteria. That being said, um, the first step should always be non-surgical. If someone mm-hmm. can lose weight uh, and improve their health significantly through diet, uh, exercise, potentially uh, medication uh, alone, then, then that would be the best road for them. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our patients are not able to do that. And rather than being sort of stuck or not having any other options, that would be when you would say, okay, I've tried this and, and, and this hasn't worked for me. So now I'm going to try something different being a surgical approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you spoke about the medications and stuff and we hear a lot about Ozempic and we see it on TV all the time. And it seems like celebrities are using it a lot to lose weight and, Um, Is that something that you would typically prescribe to a patient who's looking to lose weight? So the use of Ozempic for weight loss is really something that's rapidly evolving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ozempic originally was not a weight loss medication. It was actually a diabetes medication. So weight loss was sort of a side effect Mm -hmm. and, you know, a happy side effect. And so right now we're trying to figure out how to most effectively and safely use Ozempic for weight loss um, in addition to diabetes. There are some challenges with it. Right now it is not universally covered by insurances, uh, which, which um, can be difficult because a lot of times people will see celebrities that are, are using this and advocating use of it and they'll wanna try it, mm-hmm. but unfortunately their insurances aren't covering it and it's not uh, inexpensive to pay out of pocket. So that's a bit of a challenge. Not everybody is a great candidate for Ozempic um, just because they have some excess weight. So even though they may come in asking for it, it may not be appropriate for them. And again, that's sometimes a little bit of a difficult situation. Another area where Ozempic is evolving is actually uh, in its use with patients who do have bariatric surgery. There are... um, thoughts that perhaps using Ozempic as an adjunct or in addition to bariatric surgery postoperatively might lead to some better outcomes. And that's something that we're looking into uh, at our program. Hmm. And it's funny to me too, um, you mentioned celebrities and everything like that with the the Ozempic. And it seems like um, where it was a diabetes medication before, it's almost like they're marketing it as a weight loss solution now. And there are other drugs out there like something like Lexapro, which is like a... uh, I don't know the correct yeah, term Antidepressant. For antidepressant, yes, that's what I'm searching for. Um, and one of the you know happy side effects of that is weight loss, but they certainly don't market that medication as a weight loss drug. Nothing's changed in their marketing. So do you think there are any dangers to marketing medications for like what you would consider a side effect over what it's actually intended to use or what it's been approved for? 
Well, I think you have to make a distinction, um, and I and and I believe with medications like Ozempic or Wagovi or some of the other ones, they the the companies have actually gone for separate FDA approval for this other indication. Yeah. So that's a little bit different than using something off label. But I do think you need to be uh, to be careful and also to be very clear about what you're using a medication for, and also to be very clear as to who's a good and safe candidate. Um, mm for use. And again, there's a different situation between somebody who just has the resources to just pay for it and get it regardless of whether they're a good candidate or not, or somebody who um, is using it sort of under medical supervision and under sort of very specific or stringent guidelines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought up stringent guidelines because I notice a lot, I'm seeing this more and more that these like small med spas, they call them, are, are carrying products like this and administering them. And often it's a nurse or a nurse practitioner, but do you have any thoughts or feelings about that and how that's done? Is that stringent enough or is that safe? You know, obviously it's going to depend on the specific spa or practice. We don't do any sort of medi-spa yeah. <laughs> uh, treatments. And again, personally, I think you're right. I think there are dangers to that. Um, there are not really well-defined regulations when it comes to some of these new medications. You certainly have seen in the in the news some people that have had some you know really bad outcomes getting cosmetic procedures uh, at some of these medi spas so i think you really have to be careful and really vet the the spa that you're going to and i think that any of these medications really should be uh, prescribed under the direct supervision of a physician how do you define who is in need of care because i think that's a good topic and is it based on weight or body mass index or other factors sure so you know one of the things that's important to realize is that bariatric surgery is is not a cosmetic procedure you know i think Mm -hmm. that for a long time there was a little bit of a stigma that this was a cosmetic procedure and you know what well, you could just lose the weight on your own and you know why why are you having surgery and willpower exactly like, yeah, yeah. yeah and and you know i think there's been a lot of evolution of the understanding that obesity is a disease mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of different factors uh, some of which are are within our control and and others that just are not that are genetic that are environmental that are physiologic um, so as we've come to realize that obesity is a disease, we've also come to realize that it's directly related to many other diseases, primarily um, things like diabetes, type 2 diabetes, things like high blood pressure, things like um, cardiovascular disease. And all of those things together are, are something that's called the metabolic syndrome. And the fact is we know that patients that have excess weight and have a lot of these comorbidities they don't live as long as people who don't. They don't live as long as they should, and the quality of their life is severely impacted. So really, I think the people that are good candidates for surgery are the ones that obviously meet criteria and also are ones where the, their lives are being impacted. We, we have patients who can't play with their kids or grandkids. We have uh, patients who have really severe uh, orthopedic issues. Uh, we have patients who just want to be around longer. And and they look at some of the life expectancy uh, information 
with obesity and the related diseases, and, and they, they want to live longer than that and be around longer. And, and those are the reasons, I think, to pursue surgery, not necessarily just to lose the weight, but really to improve the, the length and the quality, quality of, life. of your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, what are some of the other medical issues that being very overweight can cause, and how do you work with the patients to address these other medical issues that have cropped up because of their weight? Yeah, so, you know, as we've been talking about, weight doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, obesity is related to a lot of these other diseases. And while that's a negative, the positive is that in many cases, if you can address the obesity, you can actually address a lot of these other things. You can actually, in many cases, uh, put the diabetes into remission get people off of their diabetes medications. You can get people off of their high blood pressure medications. You can really significantly lower their risk of having a heart attack or a stroke. Um, and those are things that you can't do without surgery. So those are some areas where the surgery is, is, mm -hmm. is really impactful. There's also been a lot of research lately on the correlation between weight and the development of cancers, uh, particularly things like breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer. And there's a lot of research into whether or not bariatric surgery can reduce your risk of developing those cancers down the road. So uh, there, there's really um, a very clear correlation between obesity and a number of other comorbidities, other diseases that is being explored. And the really exciting thing about bariatric surgery is that by addressing the root cause or, or improving the root cause, which is the obesity, many of these other things improve as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great to know. Um, how many types of bariatric surgeries are there and what's the difference or how do you determine which one is better for, for uh, any patient? So bariatric surgery has been around in one form or another for about 70 years mm. and there have been uh, a number of different uh, types of bariatric surgery over the years. Currently, in 2023 in the United States, the two most frequently performed weight loss surgeries are uh, the gastric bypass, which maybe you hear as the Ruin Y, that's another term for it, mm. and the gastric sleeve or the, the sleeve gastrectomy. Those are the two most frequently performed weight loss surgeries in the country, and those are the two that we primarily do. Mm. In terms of determining who's a better candidate for one versus the other, well, you know, that's a very individualized decision. And, you know, the factors that come into play are the patient's weight, somebody that has a, a uh, weight that is in the 400 plus range may need a different operation than someone who weighs 220 pounds. Uh, it also has to do with what other medical issues you have. Again, somebody that has bad diabetes and heart disease um, may need a different operation than somebody who's really otherwise pretty healthy except for their weight. And then other sort of softer factors come into play. Oftentimes, uh, patients who come to see us have um, known people or had family members that have had surgery. And oftentimes, if a family member or friend has had a certain type of surgery and been successful with it, well, oftentimes that's the type of surgery that they want to have. And like, like it's a menu at a restaurant. I well, want the yeah. same one. That <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's really important to be clear that ultimately it is the patient's choice. This is 
a surgery that they're electing to have. Um, and they're the ones ultimately having the surgery. So really my job is to try and educate as best as possible to help them understand the pros and cons of each approach. And just make an informed decision on yeah. their own. Yeah. yeah, but ultimately it's their body, it's their, it's their decision. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that we haven't really touched on is what's the recovery like for some of these procedures and how does their lifestyle change in terms of food, uh, the amount of food that they can take, maybe the exercise, et cetera? Sure. So I think one really important point to make is that bariatric surgery alone will fail 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Just like for all the patients that come to see me, diet and exercise alone has not been successful for them because yeah. every patient has tried and tried and tried before they, they come for surgery. So the lifestyle that you mentioned is critically important. And, and what I try and tell people is that the bariatric surgery, it's not a magic bullet, but it puts you back in control. If you put the work in, if you do the things that you need to do in terms of your diet, in terms of your exercise, in terms of your mindset, you are going to get results. Whereas without the surgery, a lot of times these patients really try and they just are hitting their head up against the wall. And it's, it's really hard to stay motivated when you're not seeing results. Right. In terms of recovery after bariatric surgery, all of these procedures are done minimally invasively. And they all have four or five incisions that measure between five and 10 millimeters in size. Um, the operations generally take less than an hour and a half and patients are generally in the hospital for one night. Hmm. Now, um, that's not to say that there may not be some post-operative uh, pain or nausea. You know, we try and make things as uh, pain-free post-operatively, as nausea-free as possible post-operatively, but, you know, it's sometimes not entirely possible. But the majority of patients tend to recover fairly quickly. Um, get back to relatively uh, normal lifestyle and uh, back to work and things like that within the course of a few weeks. In terms of diet, early on after surgery, it's a difference because you've really, you've changed your anatomy. Mm -hmm. You're going to be on a sort of a liquid diet. You're going to be on a, a soft pureed diet. You're going to be drinking protein shakes until you're really, really sick of them. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, the goal is to get you to a point where you can eat or drink mostly whatever you'd like, but you're eating smaller portions, you're getting full and satisfied more quickly. A lot of times people say they can still go to their favorite restaurant, but they get three meals out of it now instead of just one meal at one sitting. Uh, and, and that's, I think, um, you know, really good. You don't you don't have to deprive yourself, but you're satisfied with with a healthier amount. Mm -hmm. um, many many people start to develop much healthier lifestyles, become much more physically active. I've had lots of patients who, um, you know, come back and tell me they ran their first couch to 5K or 10K. I've even had some patients that have run marathons, which is something I personally could never do, yeah. and so that's always really. That was my next question. No. <laughs> Yeah, like, that, that's when is the next super marathon rewarding. that you're signing up for? Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah. no marathons for me. <laughs> yeah, so what happens if they don't follow your regimen that your team is prescribing? Uh, you mentioned there are failure rates and things like that. And... Yeah, so as we mentioned before, you know, bariatric surgery alone without the team, without the sort of holistic approach, it's it's not going to work. It's going to fail. And and not only that, if you're not doing the the things that you're supposed to do. 
uh, or you're not following the recommendations in terms of taking your vitamins or, you know, even more concerning, you're actually doing things that we're, we're asking you not to do, like smoking uh, or drinking, um, things like that. You actually can put yourself at risk for things like um, inadequate weight loss or ulcers or perforations uh, and even potentially risk of death. So it is very important to make sure that you're mentally ready to commit. 100% to the things that you need to do to be successful before you have the surgery. And, and I think that's where the team uh, that we have at Portsmouth and at Frisbee really comes into play. They're an incredible team. You have uh, nutritionists, you have um, physical therapists, you have social workers, you have uh, nurse practitioners, you have Jess LaFleur, who's the bariatric coordinator, who's an incredible asset for all of our uh, patients. It's really important to, to utilize all of those resources and really kind of commit to making a holistic lifestyle change. Yeah. So sort of off script, have you ever had a patient that has gone through bariatric surgery of some kind and not, not been successful and had to come back? And would you recommend that surgery again to them? I'm just not sure how that works. Yeah. So when you look at results after bariatric surgery the long-term success rate is somewhere around 80 to 85 oh. percent so that's great and it's far better than you would get with diet and exercise alone which in these patients is in the single digits and mm -hmm. even with things like ozempic like we were talking about before you're looking at weight loss in the sort of 10 to 20 percent range with bariatric surgery you're looking at 60 to 70 percent excess weight loss and you're looking at about 80 to 85 percent of patients having long-term success but the flip side of that is that there are about 15 to 20% of patients that have surgery and ultimately come back with weight regain, uh, mm. with maybe their diabetes is back or things like that. And I think the most important thing for those patients is first get back with the program, you know, get back with the team, get back with your support system, and in many cases, get your behaviors back on track. Uh, so that would be step one. Step two would be to make sure that there isn't anything that we can adjust with the surgery itself uh, that may be causing you not to be as successful as possible. And then also lastly, there are certain procedures that you can actually revise or convert to another procedure. So those would be the things that we would do if somebody comes in with some weight regain. And, and certainly I've had plenty of patients over the years. I've done about 3,000 to 4,000 bariatric procedures since 2007, 2008. So absolutely, I've had patients that have come back, either patients of mine or, or patients that have had surgery elsewhere that have had uh, less success than they would have liked to have. And we've certainly been able to help them with the program and also in many cases with additional surgery. That's awesome to know. Um, so I'm getting married in March of 2024. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm making this all about me now at this point. So, um, and uh, I, right now, since this is audio, uh, for the people listening at home, I look like I'm about four months pregnant with an A cup. So what would you recommend to me to lose, lose a few pounds before I get married in March? Well, 
first, I I'm not sure I agree. And do you with have your... any Ozempic on you <laughs> no, right now? No, no, I don't. I don't have a stash, but I'm not sure I agree with your assessment. You look you look pretty lean to me. It's so. the shapewear, and if one of these buttons <laughs> pops off, I worry about your safety. So. Uh, understood. Well, you know, somebody like you, you're clearly young. You clearly appear very healthy. You're certainly not somebody that would be a candidate for any major medical or oh, surgical intervention. So I on. think, yeah, I, you know, I think that for you, it's it's a matter of you know the same things that I need to do being a little more disciplined um things that that I've tried to do in my own life is really cut out the carbs I find that's extremely helpful you know the bagels are gone things like that um really try and make sure you get enough protein uh I drink a lot of water I have the cup here so that okay um, Benedetto what what about (laughs) pasta what are you doing there the pasta is a challenge and so I think um I think it's important to realize that any any kind of significant deprivation diet is not going to last. You know, you can do it for a short period of time, but you can't deprive yourself. So absolutely, I'll have my pasta. But I think you'll find that there's little things you can do on the edges that you don't really miss. Again, cutting out the bagels and switching it to maybe a yogurt or, you know, something a a little healthier. Um, For me, cutting out the late night snacking. So a big thing, if I want to lose weight, I usually just say, okay, I'm not eating anything after eight o'clock at night because almost everything I eat after eight o'clock at night is a bad decision. It is not good. It is not healthy. It is not high quality food. So that's one. And then number two is really dedicating yourself to some sort of physical activity and exercise. And what really helped with me is changing a, a small tweak to my mindset. I used to think about exercise as something that I had to do. You know, you're like, oh, I got to go to the gym today or whatever. Now I really try and think of exercise as something that I get to do. I get to do this for myself. I get to make this time for me. I get to do this thing that is going to improve my health and that I actually know I'm going to feel better about after I'm done, no matter how much I don't want to do it before. Yeah. So just that small tweak. It's not, it's not an obligation. It's really a privilege. And, and I think that that helps. And I think with just a couple of little tweaks, you are going to be in prime fighting shape for your wedding well as soon as march 18th hits i'll be right back on the old diet so uh i appreciate your advice there and uh, since i took some time to talk about myself i'd like to talk a little bit more about you personally and what i'm just curious what what got you into this field into this specific field and um what inspired you to do all the work that you've done yeah so you know, I always wanted to be a surgeon. I had some some surgeons in my family growing up. So that was always something I thought was just fascinating. The, the idea of operating on someone, having the privilege to, to be able to open them up, find what was wrong, fix it, and, and, and get that really kind of immediate gratification um, was great. And still, every day I'm in the OR, I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. So yeah. So just in terms of surgery, I, I, I think it's a great career. In terms of bariatric surgery, that was a slower transition. I, I, I graduated medical school in 1997. I did my residency sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was a period of real transition for bariatric surgery. It was a transition from the older, more invasive open approaches which had more complications, which had more downside to some of the more uh, minimally invasive approaches, which allowed us to have much lower complication rates, uh, much less downside. Also, it was a period of time where we started to develop standardization in our training. Uh, it used to be that someone could just go and do a weekend course and then start doing bariatric surgery. And 
that wasn't really the safest approach. And so um, now we have year-long fellowships uh, for anybody that wants to do bariatric or metabolic surgery. Uh, I did a year-long fellowship in New York in 2008. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, that's been very important in my career. And the other thing I really love about it, and I think part of the reason that anybody goes into medicine, is you really get to see people change their lives. You know, I'll see people who come in and their big motivation for surgery is they won't, they're having trouble having children. Hmm. And then years later, they'll come in with their kids. Yeah. I'll have people whose big motivation, and this is super common, is they want to go on the rides at Disney and they can't fit. Really? Yeah. And then they'll come back with pictures from Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, really, really um, great and really gratifying. So things like that, seeing people change their lives, uh, feeling like I had some small part in that um, is very rewarding and, and yeah. it's why I do this. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me about a time, uh, expound on that. Tell me about at least one time, obviously confidentially, uh, a situation like that where somebody has come back to you and, and say showed you pictures or uh, told you about things that they weren't able to do before. And uh, tell me about a story like that where it really yeah. sticks out to you. Yeah, I, I remember one patient who, um, she was in her early 20s and she came to see me and one of the things that really struck me about her was she told me she had never been on a date her entire life, high school, college. She wasn't comfortable with herself. She just wasn't comfortable putting herself out there. She had never been on a date. And uh, she went through bariatric surgery. Uh, she did really well. She actually subsequently had plastic surgery. Um, and a few years later, maybe three, four years later, in the mail, I got an invitation to a wedding. And wow. she was inviting me to come to her wedding, someone who had never even been on a date before, who was now getting married, who was now hoping to start a family. And she thought that I had played enough of a role in that, that she wanted me to be there. It's a big deal. And yeah, I mean, that's, it just, yeah, it felt great. And um, it's things like that, that really, that really keep you going. Certainly. Well, Dr. Benedetto, I appreciate you being on the show and taking some time to talk to me about this. And I hope that you can come back at some point and give us an update on Frisbee and let us know more about the expansion over there and how things are going. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back anytime. Thank yeah. you very much, Matt. And that's all the time we have for the podcast today. But if you want to listen to previous episodes, visit news.rochesternh.gov. And we'll talk to you next time. 